Um, before we uh, before we do that, though, let me uh, something I do and, and uh, haven't done this in a long time, but I just like to make a little proclamation sometimes. So if you'll just grab your Bible and um, and hold it up in the air, and if you use your phone, whatever you use, or if you if if the Word of God is just hidden in your heart, just uh, stick your chest out or something like that. <laughs> but just repeat after me: This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. And I'll never be the same. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. And I'll never be the same. I'm going to be changed in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. I've got my phone on airplane mode, so uh, I have to do that because it's crazy. Like, you can be up preaching about the most important thing in the world, and yet if I see a text come through, I get distracted by it. Uh, so that's on airplane mode. And um, we're going to look today. Um, well, first of all, let's go to the Lord in prayer, all right? Lord God, I know that I'm not worthy to preach your word. And I'm um, not worthy to even be in your presence. But God, just please do what you have done my whole life, it seems like. Just use me anyway. It, despite my unworthiness, God, please just use me anyway. That what I say today can be a blessing to all of us. And Lord, that, that we can all just get the word as you want us to receive it. Not even as I speak it, but as you want us to receive it into our hearts today, Lord God. Please give us this, we pray that we will be changed. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, it is so God that we did communion this morning because I want to talk to you this morning about uh, from, from John chapter 6. And I call this the bread chapter because in this chapter, John 6, Jesus feeds the 5,000. And he does it with just a little bit of bread, but, but he, you, know, he, you know the story, he multiplies the bread to feed the 5,000 men and the women and children who are with them. Who knows how many people it could have been. Some people say as many as 15, 20,000. But he, he took that little bit of bread and he, he multiplied it and fed all those people. And then he goes, the very next day he crosses, over, uh, through the night he crosses over the uh, the Sea of Galilee and, and lands on the other side. And he's speaking to them about how he's the bread of life. So that's why I call this the bread chapter. It's like bread on both sides of the Sea of Galilee. And so that's kind of the context of where this scripture this morning comes to us. He's talking to them about being the bread of life. And uh, they're not really getting it. So, uh, so we get to our our short little text of four verses in chapter 66. We're going to read chapter 66, 67, 68, and 69, just four verses. And, uh, and we're going to see something here, hopefully, that, um, that will broaden our perspective a little bit or sharpen it, maybe. So uh, let me just go right there. Um, so remember, Jesus has been speaking these things. And people are having trouble with what he's saying. We'll talk about that in just a minute. 
Again, it's so important. It's, it's so God that we did communion this morning, and He gave me this message, me not even knowing that we were doing communion, because He's talking about His body and His blood, and He says in verse sixty-six. Says from that moment, many of His disciples turned back and no longer accompanied Him. Therefore, Jesus said to the twelve, so all these people that have been following him, you know, he had more than the twelve following him. Yeah, there was the twelve, and then there was the seventy, but there were probably dozens and dozens more that were following Jesus that would have been considered his disciples. So it says that um, a lot of those people were turning away and not following him anymore. And therefore, in verse 67, therefore Jesus said to the twelve, you don't want to go away too, do you? And Simon Peter answered, Lord, Lord, who will we go to? You have the words of eternal life. And we have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. So what this, uh, this little verse, this little passage tells us this morning is that there was some confusion going on. I don't know if you guys have ever gotten to the place of just like you didn't really understand what God was doing in your life and really something in you wanted to just leave. I've been, that, I've been in that place many times, especially early in my relationship with Jesus. I would, I would get to the place where it was just like it was too much for me. It was, it was too hard to understand. And I would consider just leaving. But then I would always, I would always realize that you know, there was just nowhere to go. He had the words of life. He had given me eternal life. And while he wasn't maybe revealing every single little thing to me, he revealed enough to me that I knew that he was the only way to go. I grew up on a cattle farm. And we would sometimes, you know, we would corral cattle and put them in a chute and to, to give them a shot or, you know, some kind of a supplement or something like that. And they always, you know, they always were just very uh, not cooperative of what we were trying to do with them. So they get, they get in, the, they get in this little chute, and they just, they're just so restless, and they're moving all around. They're doing anything they can to get out of there. Like in their minds, that they, they need to be somewhere else other than right here. But then eventually, though, they settle down, and they, because they realize, you know what, there's just nowhere to go. They can't go anywhere else. This is where they have to be. But now, what we're talking about here with Jesus is not exactly like that. Because he's not forcing us to be anywhere. He always, look at what he says to them. He says, do you want to go away too? He says, you don't want to go away too, do you? So he's given them the choice. You know, what are you going to do? Are you going to continue to follow me or are you going to leave me too? And we always have that choice with him. God is... As powerful he is, as he is, he doesn't use his power to, to captivate. And, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's the God who has set us free, not, not put us into captivity, but he's, he's, fr he's freed us from the captivity that, that our enemy has tried to place upon us. So he, he comes to them, you know, and he's, he's saying, um, he's given them the freedom, do you want to, do you want to go too? And they're realizing, you know, Peter, through, through Peter, their spokesman here, um, he's saying that uh, there's just nowhere for them to go. 
I, uh, I remember one time, this is an embarrassing story, but you know, when you're a 16-year-old young man and you feel like you've got all these abilities and you talk a lot of smack, you know, that's, 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 that was me like when I was 16. And I used to like to wrestle, you know, like wrestling for us, like out on the farm, we just, just whoever could throw the person down, like we'd, we'd say dirtying their back. I, I'll dirty your back. And if you could just dirty their back, you know, that was the victory right there. You didn't get down and, you know, do the one, two, three and all that. It was just dirty their back. That was all it was to it. So uh, I kept talking so much to my grandpa. My grandpa was a really like uh, kind of athletic man. He was a boxer when he was younger. And uh, he was still very capable and active on the farm and helped us do things. And I was just always, I was always wrestling with, with guys. So I was talking to my grandpa and trying to talk him into wrestling with me. And he finally, he finally gave in and said, all right, okay, let's wrestle. And he, so he put me down, he dirtied my back. He did more than dirty my back though. He got my hand, he put this hand over this way and this hand over this way, and he put his knee right, right there where, I, where my arms crossed, put his knee there just to hold me there. Didn't put all his weight, but just to hold me there. And he started telling me, he started talking his own smack to me at that point. Like I, it was like I couldn't move, man, I couldn't go anywhere. I was like, it's like, Grandpa, you know, I, like I will, if I could get up, I would, but I can't, I just can't get up. And again, you know, there's, there's a, in this life that we have with Jesus, we may feel sometimes like we're, you know, we'd like to have some freedom that just, uh, is just not available to us. But we decide ultimately that, uh, you know what, there's more, there's all the freedom in Christ that we need. And so we're not gonna, we're not gonna just make the decision to leave. We're gonna stay with him and stay where we, you know, stay where he's got us. And we're gonna find contentment in that. So the reason these people were leaving though was because there was confusion. Jesus was saying, unless you, if you're gonna be my disciple and have eternal life, you've gotta eat my flesh and drink my blood. Well, this is really confusing to these people because in the, in the law of Moses, which they're still under and they're still very much focused on, you know, it's, it's a violation of God's law to drink blood. And here's this man who claims to be the Messiah, and he's saying, you should drink my blood. And, if, in, other, and in fact, if you don't drink my blood and eat my flesh, then you're not going to be able to be my disciple and have eternal life. So that's really confusing. They're having trouble matching up what he's saying with what God's, what God's law has said to them. And that's what confusion is. Confusion means you can't tell the difference. Because confusion, that word means, look at, look at the two word parts, con-fuse. Con means together, and fuse means attach. Like, let's do the, uh, let's do the, the marriage club handshake real quick here. So that's the marriage club handshake. See how we're attached there? Like, can't just pull away. Like, you're not going anywhere, baby. <laughs> so you, so we're attached, but, but really confusion is even more than that. It's like, you know, it's like a weld bead, like two pieces of metal that are put together. And what that weld, what that welding rod does, it actually burns into each piece of metal and causes them to become one piece of metal. It's, so you can no longer tell those two pieces of metal apart. 
They aren't apart. They're, they're together. They're fixed together. They're, they're fused together. And so, so these people hear Jesus saying, drink my blood, eat my flesh. And they're, they're saying, God's law says, don't drink blood. And of course, it would be wrong to eat the flesh of a human being. That would be cannibalism. So they're clear, they're, they're clear that they're not supposed to do that, but yet Jesus is telling them to do that. So they're seeing what Jesus is saying, that what the Messiah is saying is the same thing as what God has said not to do. So they're confused about that. They're seeing this attached together and they can't tell the difference. Well, so what's the difference then? And we're going to look at that. The, dif the difference between, uh, I'm sorry, the, uh, the opposite of confused is discerned. The word discern means to divide and to be able to tell the difference. So when the Holy Spirit gives us the gift of discernment of spirits, he's allowing us to see what spirits are of God and what spirits are of the enemy. He allows us to see to make that distinction and know the difference, which is hugely helpful, you know, as we're trying to, to navigate with God, knowing where our enemy is and where God is, because if we're not really in tune with the Holy Spirit, we can really get confused and think that what the enemy is telling us is actually what God is saying. And what God is doing, we, we, can, we can think, well, that's just the enemy because it's not comfortable to us or whatever. So, we're, so we've got this, um, this dichotomy of confused or discerned. And we want to live, obviously, in, in discernment by the Holy Spirit in our lives and not confused about things. And honestly, it's when we get confused about things where we don't fully understand and can't really tell the difference between what God is doing and what God is not doing that we start to have this desire in us, in our flesh, to leave and go do something else. Or not even, maybe not to leave Christ. Maybe we're, we're grounded enough in Christ but like the disciples, we don't really understand. And see, you notice Peter didn't say that, um, no, we want, we want to stay with you because we totally understand everything that you're saying here. I don't think they understood it any more than the other disciples did. But what he said was, no, we don't, we don't really understand these details, but we do understand this. There's a difference between you and everything else. We've got that. We discern that. We discern that you are the Son of God. We discern that this is the world and this is the kingdom of God and we're staying with you. We do get that much. So with us, where are we? Are we, are we confused about who Jesus Christ is? No. I don't think any of us is confused about who Jesus Christ is. We know that he is the Son of God. We've put our faith in him. We've decided to follow him and trust him all the way into eternity. And so we're not, we're not messed up and we're not uh, confused about any of that. We know who Jesus is. But in our walk with him, as he's having us put our foot here and put our foot here, are we sometimes confused about exactly what he's saying in the smaller picture? God, do you really want me to put my foot here? Could this possibly really be you saying this? Because it just doesn't seem right to my human mortal mind. So, uh, so how, what do we do? How do we, how do we get to 
How do we get to the place where we can discern God? And that's where I want us to get to today. That's my goal for us today, that we will, we will have the discernment that we need to be able to walk with God. Now, confusion is, uh, is a matter of lack of faith. And I say that because Jesus was in Matthew 16. He was with the disciples. And he said to them, beware the, the leaven of the Pharisees. In other words, the yeast of the Pharisees, um, beware of that. Watch out for that. It's not any good. Well, they thought that he was saying to them, you should have, you should have brought some bread. I don't know how they get that. He's saying, beware the leaven of the Pharisees. And they're, and they're, they're taking that like, so they're very confused about it. They think, well, he's, he's reprimanding us because some of us should have brought some bread for our trip here. And so Jesus perceives that and he says, listen, I'm not talking about bread. I'm talking about the example of the Pharisees because the Pharisees were hypocrites. They would, they would teach one thing and require think one thing of others, but then the life that they lived out was completely different. Right. Jesus says, beware of that. Don't do that. Don't follow that example. He had said earlier, do what they teach, but don't do what they do. Because there's a big difference. And don't fall for that leaven that they're giving out. Don't fall for that bread, that example, that teaching that they're giving. Because the real, you know, we know that the real teaching happens not just with our words, but that the life that we live before people. So Jesus is saying, beware of this, beware of this leaven of the Pharisees. They're confused about it, thinking he's bread. And he said, how are, here's, here's how he addressed, here's how he responded to them. He said, um, how are you thinking that I'm talking about bread? Do you not even remember the lesson of the feeding of the 5,000 and then also the feeding of the 4,000? So remember, there was two different big, massive feeding miracles. One time with 5,000 men, one time with 4,000 men. So total... Total men, 9,000, but with all the women and children, who knows, could have been 20 to 30,000 people. So Jesus said, you, you're, you're forgetting the lesson of all that. What was the lesson of all that? The lesson was, don't ever worry about whether I'm going to meet your needs or not. Don't you ever worry about that. Here I am with five loaves and two fish. Feed 5,000, no problem. I've got this. No problem. Just trust me. Here we are again now with 4,000 people. What, oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Oh, Jesus just feeds them again. So remember that, he's saying to his disciples. And you won't ever have to worry about whether I'm upset because you did or didn't bring bread. So he, he's making it very clear to them now what he's talking about. Don't listen to the Pharisees. Don't, don't take in the Pharisees' example as their teaching. So... What is it now that, um, that will help us to be able to discern? Because Jesus said, here's my point, I skipped this very important point, but what Jesus said to them as he's correcting them about, with their misunderstanding about the bread thing and the Pharisees thing, he says, oh, you of little faith, how are you so, how are you not perceiving this? So that tells us that there's a lack of faith associated with our lack of perception and our, and our confusion that we have about the things that he's, he's teaching us. So how do we get this faith? What's well, always going to come from God's Word? Well, let me just share a couple of examples of how God cleared things up for me 
and, and uh, kind of boosted my faith. I remember this was, my goodness, man, I hate to even say this. This was 33 years ago. We moved from, we lived in Cary, and we were moving down to Dunn, North Carolina. So the reason we were moving, or what the catalyst, I guess, to our moving was um, Charlene was offered a job by her father, so we moved down so she could so she could take that job, and I was able to move. I was able to transfer. I was working with my my dad's company, and I was able to just transfer to another project and work with him. So God was providing these jobs, and then we uh, we started we started to look around for a house, and we bought our first house. We paid sixty thousand dollars, sixty one thousand dollars for it. It was like a what twenty five hundred square foot house. A little different market, different day. But it'd be nice to pay sixty thousand for a house now, wouldn't it? So, but even then, that was a good deal. We were just we were just so excited about that, and so we we were there, and God led us to this church, Gospel Tabernacle, and we were we were enjoying that church. The, the pastor was a great preacher, and the praise and worship was awesome. The presence of God was always strong there, and the people and the community we were forming and and um, getting involved with there was just so so sweet. We were just loving that. And, uh, but in our minds, you know, we were thinking, well, God moved us to Dunn for these jobs. And look at this house that he's provided for us. So these are the reasons that he brought us to Dunn. Well, in this church, Gospel Tabernacle, every Sunday night, there was a Sunday night service. And at the end of the, of the service, a lot of times on Sunday night, we would just end the service at the altar. And then once the service was closed, people would just kind of linger around. There would be, there would be like hundreds, a couple hundred people probably just up there. There's a big altar space and we'd just be all standing around, continuing to pray, continuing to praise God or, or just starting to fellowship, you know, during that time. And um, so this, this happened one Sunday night and I was standing there just worshiping God and the Lord just spoke to me and said, look up. And I looked up and I looked across the altar all the way. It was like a, a round, kind of a, a circular sanctuary that I could see all the way around there. There was just all these people, a couple hundred people, just still worshiping and praising God, just not because somebody told them to, but just because they wanted to. They were lingering around just to continue to be in God's presence and worship the Lord some more. And God spoke to me and said, this is why I brought you to Dunn. He said, you know, so he was cleared it up for me. I didn't bring you to Dunn for jobs. I didn't bring you to Dunn for a house. And we know now, looking back, that God brought us to Dunn so we could learn how to do ministry in this church, so we could form relationships that would just be strength for us for, for decades ahead, and that we would, you know, we'd have these relationships. We'd have these experiences that we could draw from. God was doing all this. We could learn how to be in His presence. All this, so God's clearing this up for me. He's like, because I'm seeing it like, I'm seeing it wrongly. Honestly, without even knowing it, I'm confused about it. I, we're in done because of jobs. Jobs are fused together with our move to done. This house fused together with our move to done. God said, nope, nope, that's not it. This right here, look at the difference between your house and your jobs and this right here. This is what I had in mind for you. This is what I brought you to. You had no idea where I was even, le even leading you, but this is where I was leading you, and here we are. 
So God cleared some things up for me and gave me discernment about that. I remember sharing it with Charlene, and we've always just kind of really treasured what God did for us during that season of our lives and how really the seeds were planted in us then that still continue to bear fruit, really. There was another time. So that's how we came to Dunn. Here's how we left Dunn. I eventually went on staff as the associate pastor of that church. This was, um, I guess, about 10, 11 years later. And, uh, but we started, you know this feeling, Pastor James, you, like you, you mentioned it earlier, you just have this desire to do more. Like you're looking for an opportunity to, to be used by God in a, in a greater way. And you just don't seem to have that opportunity. So, you know, you just kind of cry out for God, you know, to God that, Lord, please open up doors. Give me opportunities, please, Lord God. So that's where I was in my life at that point. I wanted to preach more. I wanted to have more um, leadership responsibilities. I just, I just wanted to accomplish more in God's kingdom, and I wanted him to use me more powerfully. So I started asking God for that. And this was the denominational church. And I mentioned to our uh, conference bishop, uh, one day when I saw him, I said, listen, Chris, I would like to, uh, if the opportunity comes, if you know of an opportunity, I, I would like to have more. I would like to do more. And he knew what I meant. And he said, okay, I'll keep that in mind. And I'll, you know, as I look around, I'll keep you in mind. So he called me a few, few weeks later. And he said, uh, he said, there's a church right up the road. He told me what church it was. And he said, uh, he told me what the salary was and probably was and all that. He said, I think it would be a good fit for you. This salary was a little bit more than I was making. This would have been an opportunity to do more. And it, was, it was like, in his mind, this fits the bill for you. This is what you're asking for. This should be a no-brainer for you. So he told me about this. And I just, I just wanted to check with the Lord. And I said, uh, I said, God, no, I'm sorry. I said, Chris, wasn't talking, wasn't, wasn't talking to God yet. And I was confused. I was not confused about who they were. Just misspoke, sorry. But, but I, said, I said, Chris, let me just have the night to think about it, and I'll let you know tomorrow. And he, and he was surprised at that. He said, okay, sure. So we hung up. As soon as I hung the phone up, this was landline days. I hung the phone up. I was beside my bed, and I hit my knees, and I said, God, um, I need you to tell me what to do. If you want me to, if you want me to go to this church, Lord God, um, tell me. If you don't, tell me. If I don't hear from you tonight somehow, I'm just going to call him tomorrow and say, okay, we'll move forward going into this church. So that night, I had a dream. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I never have dreams that make any sense. Like every dream I have, I wake up. 15 minutes later, I can't even remember what it was. And if I do remember it, it was just like made no sense. It was all little gobbledygook pieces here and there that don't seem to have any meaning whatsoever. But this night, I had a, I had a very, very clear and distinct dream. I was standing, like I said, I grew up on a farm, so I've stood in, in fields a lot. I've broke land with tractors and plows and discs and all that. And I've, so I'm very comfortable in that, in that setting. Well, I'm standing in a field, like in the middle of the field, the hand of God comes down and he makes a furrow in the ground. And then he comes down again, he makes a deeper furrow. And then, 
I, I'm sorry, I know this, this doesn't touch anybody but me because it's still weird to you guys at this point. But then he comes down again and he makes a, an even deeper trench, the deepest one. So there's three of them. There's shallow, deep, and deeper. And uh, the Lord says to me, which one do you want? And I said, I said, Lord, I want the deepest one. Now, I knew exactly what that meant when I knew what each one of those furrows represented in my dream. I can't explain how, but I just knew. And I said, Lord, I want the deepest one. And he said, well, that's the one I want for you, too. So I woke up that morning, the next morning. I remembered that dream and it, it didn't go away, it didn't fade away. I still remember it to this day, just like it happened last night. And... I just, uh, you know, I got up and I, I told Charlene about it. And I said, the first, the first furrow is staying where we are. You know, there's no risk, but there's little impact. The second furrow is going to this church that Chris has invited me to consider. Because it's going to be, a, it's going to be take more, uh, more from us. And we will be able to impact more. But the third the third furrow, the deepest one, is going and planting a church and doing something new and taking the devil's territory back, you know, taking God's territory back from the devil for the Lord. And um, I said um, to me, you know, I explained in my dream, I want the deepest one. God says that's what he wants for me too. Well, it doesn't take this long, this lady long to jump on board, you know, when, when it's clearly God. So I don't remember what she said. I just remember she jumped all over me with kisses. <laughs> she was like, I love you so much. <laughs> no, I really don't remember her reaction exactly, but I remember walking, you know, going forward and we started making plans to to plant a church. We just knew God wanted us to, to go plant a church. We didn't know where, so we, get, we began to seek God about that. Eventually, he told us, you know, that Wilmington was where he wanted us to go. So that's how we ended up in Wilmington 20, 21 years ago. And so uh, God, you see how God cleared things up for me, things that could have been confusing for me. Like, I mean, those three trenches, those three furrows, they're just, they're just, why, what's the, is there really any difference in them? But God showed me and made it clear to me that yes, here's the difference. And that's what discernment does. There is a difference between where you are now and where you could go and where I want you to go. There's a difference. You could see all those things together as if they're attached to each other, but they aren't so discerned that there's where you are, there's where you could go, and there's where I want you to go. So don't be confused about that. Maybe somebody today, you know, you, you're thinking, especially you young ladies, you know, you got so much of life ahead of you and you're, you're thinking, I'm sure you're thinking all the time about your future. And so what, what are the options for you and what would you, you know, where would God have you go? And there's always gonna be where you are now, do I stay here? there's somewhere else that I could go and then there's somewhere where God wants me to go and being very very clear about what that is and I want us to pray before we leave here not just for the two young ladies but for all of us even us old folks
that, um, sorry, when I, I looked at you when I said old folks. <laughs> I did say us, though. <laughs> but um, just, I just want us to pray this morning before we leave that, that God will, uh, that he'll clear things up for us. And if we're confused about anything, y'all, we can be confused sometimes without even realizing it. You know, things are just kind of, we don't think about it. We don't give it enough thought or we haven't really sought the Lord about whatever it is. But in our minds, really, like we can't tell the difference between what's God and what's not God. So I just want to, we're going to pray before we leave this morning, if that's okay. And just, just ask God. And this is a prayer that he, of course, will answer because he already wants it for, wants it for us. That, that God will show us the difference between what he wants and the other options in our lives. And he'll make that clear to us. All right, so uh, another example is just recently, like the last few, the last couple of weeks, I've um, I had a dream one night. This is another dream. And uh, oh my goodness, I'm terrible with this thing, man. I'm either in the bathroom with it or throwing it on the floor. <laughs> so I had a dream in my workplace right now. Um, I have a great team that I work with. I get a chance to lead a team of about 15 people who are leaders in the facility. And they're all really good, but so once in a while I start, I kind of get a bad, just a bad feeling about, you know, what's going on there. And so uh, I had a dream one night. And this dream, after this dream, I'm not even gonna tell you the dream because this, this is one of those dreams that's just weird. But God had a person in this dream that was uncooperative with me. And he was, this person was, um, was being um, elusive and secretive and offensive to me at the same time. Like not, not even ask, answering my questions, but in return, instead offending me, saying offensive things to me. So uh, I woke up from that dream well, look at there, I did end up telling what it was. But I'm not going to go into detail about his hair because that was weird. <laughs> but I, but I uh, so I woke up and I had, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I had just this, this, just this real uneasy feeling in my spirit. Like I couldn't go back to sleep because I lay there and I thought, well, you know, I'll, uh, this thing will leave my mind and I'll be able to get back to sleep and get some more sleep before work. Didn't happen. I laid there about probably a half an hour Finally, I said, man, this is not, nothing's changing. I'm just going to get up. So I got up and I just got in the Word. I went and opened my Bible up and I started reading the Bible. And it was crazy how what I was reading about had nothing to do with what, you know, this issue that was going on. But yet just opening up God's Word and getting into His presence started to give me peace and understanding about this thing. So what He showed me about this was that it's not a person. And we know that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but it's against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness, you know, that whole realm that's working against us. That's our real enemy. And no person, even no matter how offensive they are, they're not our enemy. We can look past them and see our real enemy, who is the devil and all of his demons. So God was showing me in this that um, there's, not a, uh, there's not a person that is your problem. But there is a spirit there. And he gave me a name for it. Gave me a name for it. 
I wasn't even sure if this was the right word, but I felt like this was like the name that God gave me. It was an evasive spirit. Like he's trying to evade me with information that I need. Like he's hiding it from me. He's hiding what I need. He's captivating information that I need to be able to lead in my job. And he's, um, instead, of, instead of giving it to me, he's hiding it from me and he's saying things that are offending, offensive to me. That's exactly what I've been dealing with in my job. And so God just kind of cleared that up for me. Like, here's the difference. Now, you've been thinking that these people are your problem. Guess what? They're not your problem. Look at the difference here. Your problem is the enemy. These people, just continue to love them and lead them in the, in the way that God will show you how. But the enemy is over here. It's, it's completely different. So God is clearing things up for me. And so... Uh, where I was confused and didn't even know it, now God was giving me discernment and showing me where I had been confused. He's just so good like that. But, you know, we don't have to have dreams and rhema-specific words from God necessarily to, uh, to have confusion cleared up and, ha and have, be able to have discernment. Just, uh, I mean, just think about this. If I had just remembered um, at times in my life that when God said, I have not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind, then I wouldn't have gone into situations fearful. If I just remembered his word, if I just hide his word in my heart, there's revelation, there's discernment that will come place just from knowing God's word. And sometimes it's like a, God's word is like a, like a weapon that we put in our in our, uh, whatever you put weapons in. <laughs> in our arsenal. And thank you. I just need a little help sometimes with vocabulary. But so, but we put it in there. We don't even know how we're going to use it, when we're going to use it, if we're going to use it, but it's there. That's how God word, God's Word works. So I want to challenge all of us to put faith in God's Word. I mean, we put our faith in Him, not just in His Word, not just the words, but since these words come from him and are his heart, then I think it's just really, really wise for us to have a, uh, have a practice of regularly just getting God's word into our hearts because when we need it, it'll be there. And it might surprise us sometimes how useful it is, us not even realizing when we read it and it went into our, into our minds and our hearts you know, that how it was going to be used, but we're just, we're just getting it in there. So, uh, here's another verse that um, I think will all will come in handy a lot of times, and that is uh, Matthew 6, 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then all these things will be added to us. Isn't it so easy to get confused about, you know, our, uh, our needs, and um, how we, you know, we think we need, we think we need this, and we need this. We got to have these possessions. We got to have this, this resource, this financial resource. But, but God just clears that up for us, and He says, um, "Seek, okay, seek. Don't seek these things first. Seek Me first, and My righteousness, the righteousness from Christ. And then when you do that, in that process, then all these other things will be added to you." See, our God, that's just one simple of many, many examples in Scripture where God will just clear things up for us and we won't be confused about it anymore. 
And y'all, I don't, I don't want to call y'all stupid, but I'm stupid. And I, because I'm a sheep and I just, like I'll forget today what I knew very, very well yesterday and the day before and the day before and the day before. Somehow these new circumstances will cause me to forget it and I'll get confused about it. But God's word, if we've got it in our hearts, you know, it'll prevent that and it'll be what we need. So God's word is going to be super key in keeping us from being confused and keeping discernment in our hearts. So let's, uh, let me look here and see if there was one more thing. No, this is all I had left that, I, that we would just pray. Because I, how about you guys uh, just grab hands, if you will, and uh, let's agree together for every single one of us here. Lord God, we just we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord God, that in this in this little short passage right here, you showed us, God, that even though we don't understand every single thing, Lord God, that you we do understand, Lord God, that you are our answer. And you're everything we need. And we're not leaving you, we're not going anywhere. But then, Lord, there are things we know, God, that more detailed in our lives, things we don't totally understand that we need understanding for. Some of them, Lord God, are present today. Some of them are not even present yet, but they're in our future. So our prayer is, Lord God, that you will give us the discernment that we need today and tomorrow for the rest of our walk with you, Lord God, in this life. You would show us the things we need to know so we can tell the difference between where you're leading us and the other options that we have in our lives, God. And that we would not be confused, but we would discern the times, the ways, the things of God. So, Lord God, we, we, we lift this prayer up to you, every one of us, God, for each other, not just for one or two of us, but for every single one, every one of us, Lord God, that's in this house right now, including the dogs, Lord God. Just reward them there and there. Amen. But all of us, Lord God, seriously, just, just please pour out upon us, Lord God, your spirit of discernment so that we can know what we need to know and we won't be confused. These things, Lord God, we ask you in Jesus' name. Amen.